cool while the entire Earth is... Plus stabbing. Of course, by the time this gets released, it's going to be winter or something, so I guess that was pointless. That, well, there could be uh, wildfires polluting Seattle's air by then, so uh, it could be very exciting. Could be, could be August. We'll see. That's true. The whole world is going to be melting for the next thousand years. So anyway, I'm Willow Payne, the artist and co-writer behind Library Comic. And I am Gene Ambom, and I write Library Comic with Willow. Uh, and today we are going to talk about a book called The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. Um, I'm so excited to talk about this book. I'm just <laughs> brimming with energy. It's all I can do to Absolutely. keep you from talking about it. <laughs> absolutely riveted to we, talk about this book today we just had we just had like a 10 minute conversation leading up to this and i was just like let's not let's not talk about it yet willow let's not talk about it yet willow, willow's ready to go um let's see so so this book this book is a book i think it came out like 2014 thereabouts originally and it was a book that i was at library conferences and and i remember specifically one woman coming up and putting the book in my hands she had grabbed a copy from the publisher just for me and saying this is your new favorite book and I do not know why I didn't read it back then. It had a lot of buzz. Um, it was on some best lists. It won the Locus Award for Best Fantasy Novel. It was nominated for like the Hugo, the Nebula, the World Fantasy Award. And somehow that copy disappeared into my house. I had a few other people kind of push the book to me. Uh, and then I kind of forgot about it until my friend Jeff, who listens to Bookstabber, said uh, Catherine Addison is one of his favorite authors. Maybe he didn't say favorite author, but he said he said that he would read anything she writes, which is a, is high praise from Jeff, who has a lot of books in common with me. Uh, he recommended Stephen Brist's uh, Vlad Talto's books to me. Have you read those, Willow? I've never heard of them. No. Oh, they're they're kind of fun fantasy fantasy novels. I think I think you would enjoy them uh, if you were in the right mood. Um, but I have a lot of tastes in common with Jeff, and just saying that that. Um, he enjoys this author's books that much uh, was enough for me. So I, I brought this to Willow, and she agreed, and here we are. And Willow, what do you have to add now? Here we are. Well, I assume that based on all these people bringing this book to you, telling you that this is going to be... If somebody brought this book to me and told me this was going to be my favorite <laughs> book, and I read the book... I would delete their phone number. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. You were going to give a disclaimer, a gentle disclaimer. We're not in yet. We're not in yet. This is me holding you back again. What's your? What's the disclaimer? Okay. What's the disclaimer? Okay, the disclaimer is is that we're going to get all of the names in this book wrong. This is a fantasy book, as many of the books we talk about are, and the names are difficult, to say the least. There is a highly, <laughs> you know... <laughs> the, the names in this book make Tolkien's names look like Jeffrey and Stuart. Like, these are some... <laughs> ridiculous elven goblin names and i'm a i'm a uh, writer who cannot i can't even read the elf names i just i just kind of look at the form of them i don't even try to pronounce them in tolkien and these I, are I, these are four syllable five syllable minimum names they don't get shorter <laughs> we'll get to it's it it's ridiculous we'll get we'll get to it well and pl the place names and everything else uh yeah okay apologies apologies um to Catherine Addison, to anybody who's listened to maybe the audiobook, I don't know. I certainly didn't listen to the audiobook, so uh, I'm not. Oh, even... I, I did. Oh, and did you? I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll say this: the guy reading the book is a champion, like that he was able to do it. But also, uh, I mean, ugh. Okay, like... okay, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Let's give let's give a pitch for the book. Let's give a pitch for the book. Are you ready for the pitch? Uh, sure. Give it to me. Lay it on me. Okay. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I am still affected by the heat dome here in Seattle. Uh, so Maya Drazar is, uh -huh. is kind of, I think he's fourth in line to the uh, 
the throne of the Emperor of the Elflands, and the Emperor is yeah, his dad. To... <laughs> is that right? Yeah, you're going to have to go through this a lot faster because there's so much to cover. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so he's fourth in line to the Emperor of the Elflands, and his father and all the other people in line above him are killed in an airship accident. And, it, and an airship is uh, basically a, a blimp filled with hydrogen, I think. A hydrogen balloon of some kind. Um, yeah, it's a Zeppelin, basically. A Zeppelin. And so Maya, Maya lives with his cousin, who is just a complete bastard to him, an abusive bastard. But somebody comes and says, basically, hey, you're emperor now. They take him back to the capital of the Elflands, and... It, like uh, the court intrigue starts kind of immediately. Like uh, the guy who is his boy, who kind of takes care of all the court stuff for him. I'm trying to I'm trying to look at all the all the names here. Is that uh, Chavar? He's the Lord Chancellor. Chavar Chavar wants to push ahead with the funeral, but Maya kind of smartly uh, demands a coronation first because he has to he has to keep a hold of power. There's a lot of people who don't want him to have power. People are moving against him somehow. Uh, in the background, in the extreme, extreme background, I would say. And um, Maya becomes emperor, and then he has to deal with kind of all of the court intrigue and all the people who don't want him to be emperor, including his father's most recent widow, who I think is her his, his father's fourth wife, who wants her teenage son crowned to have uh, an adult rule like in her place. And Maya is like, like he's the very distant son of, of this emperor because like it's kind of implied that Maya is like half goblin on his mother's side. He's actually the he's actually the grandson of the current emperor of the goblins. Yeah, it's well, it's not an implication. That's just a fact. He is half goblin, half elf. However, right, 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 right. But I mean, is he? It, it, it's it's implied that his father didn't like him because he was half goblin. But it's also kind of ridiculous given the fact that I, I don't know. I mean, I, like, like so, so, so this is. <laughs> So, so, so this is this is where we stand, and 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 when Maya goes to to court, whatever, how what, what's the word for court? Do you know? Uh, you, like what's the Elven word for court? Yeah. Speak court and enter. I don't know, man. Okay. There's too many words. <laughs> okay, so Maya goes to court, and then Maya has uh, these bodyguards. There's another word for them too, and uh, he kind of. Like Maya, Maya wants to be friends. He's clearly more compassionate than emperors normally are. He's clearly more of like a people person. He's also shy and weak, and kind of kind of has no idea about court at all. He wasn't raised to be part of court. He doesn't have any idea about opera or performances or fine dining or anything. He knows like kind of the basics of manners, but not much else. Um, he doesn't know who people are. He, he, the only people he trusts are his bodyguards, with good reason, because people are trying to kill him. Um, but, but it's like, it's like the bodyguards have to kind of, they're kind of also his, his, his body men, in a way, although one of them is a woman, eventually. Uh, they, they kind of take care of him, they kind of help dress him, uh, they take care of his needs. He finds people he can trust, um, this kind of messenger becomes somebody who, uh, introduces him to, like, his household staff, which is also uncommon. Uh, and... So Maya has to deal with with uh, being the emperor. Has to try to figure out how to survive with the help of his bodyguards. Has to uh, negotiate the weirdness of court. His crush on an opera singer. Uh, he has to help plan for when his grandfather, the goblin guy, the leader of the goblins, visits for a holiday, and he really wants to have a bridge built. and And the book doesn't focus a lot on plot. It focuses more on the court intrigue. 
Uh, if court intrigue is your thing, this is your book. If if strange like languages, very fully developed, realized languages, and, and the world that they imply is your thing, this is probably your book. Um, yeah, Willow, how did I do on a pitch? Uh, that's fine. I definitely want to talk about that bridge because I think the bridge is actually a huge like emblematic of everything that is wrong with this book. It is an incredible. It is so ironic that so much of this book hinges on the existence of a bridge. Hmm. <laughs> but. All right, so before I can talk about this book, I want to talk about another book. I, I hinted at this at the end of our last podcast, um, but I read through a whole bunch of books in between recording shows and reading books for the podcast, and one of the books that I read reread recently was The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Uh, upon reread, now I had read it when I was a child. It was read to me by my parents. How, oh, I know that's how very nice. It is nice, yeah, and I loved it. I loved it. I saw, I read it before I ever saw the movie. So I'm, I'm reading it for the first time as an adult, and you know, I've seen the movie a million times since, and so I wanted to see how well the book holds up. And I love the book. The book is so good. It's so great. And I'm, I'm of the opinion that it is basically the most well written book. Like, it's not my favorite book, but in terms of just pure writing skill, it is the most finely crafted fiction novel i can think of that book is so full of joy that i, it that is. I can't it's, even i can't even express how, how happy it makes me to read it and reread it again and it's it's short it's punchy it's funny everything about it is great and i have to say so, i have to say it's so confusing that you like it but but i'm, I'm trying to get a handle on that <laughs> like i would never no, have suggested well, that for the podcast so but, the reason i bring that up is because i read that and then i went into the goblin emperor and they are, it is the anti-book. The Goblin Emperor is the opposite of everything that is the Princess Bride. Like, the Princess Bride opens up with this hilarious premise that this was an older book that was cynical and full of all of this political stuff. And William Goldman fa- finds it and says, what if I just edit all the bad parts out? What if we, it's like, it's a beautiful statement on fantasy literature as a whole. What if we just don't include the boring stuff? What if we only made a book that was fun and engaging? Like what, you know, this is a letter to all authors everywhere. Don't write boring books. Just don't do it. No one's making you do it. You're, there's no gun to your head. Write a better book. Like just, just do the sword fighting. Just do the, the romance. That's fine. So... Someone put a gun to Kate Addison's head and said, only write the bad parts and write like 700 pages of it. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. It feels that way, though, because... And, I mean, look, I can understand where some of this book is coming from. There are parts, but they they still infuriate me because they feel so fake. There are so many schmaltzy parts with this, just this bad emotional, like, they're trying to tug on your heartstring, but it's so, it's so Disney. It's so, like poorly done it, it feels so artificial there's a million parts in this book where she's engineered this terrible moral situation and our character is like but why why can't women be free to do whatever they want and why can't children run and play in the fields and everyone in the audience cries and it's like well no one asked you to write a a universe in which that was the problem well i mean like you wrote a fantasy universe in which goblin and elven women are needlessly uh are, are needlessly um you know treated badly like the well it's a fantasy book you didn't have to do that <laughs> well I, I i i mean I, I think um i think that i can see why people enjoyed this book i mean on a sentence level except for all of the words the elven words and the the goblin words and, and whatever 
Like on a sentence level, I think it's well written, which which is good because I, I see books that aren't. And like if a book isn't well written on the sentence level, I'm like, I, I can't really get through it. And, and so I would agree. <laughs> I would agree sort of, except for all the times that they say serenity. That's like a one one word sentence. Serenity, just... serenity is how you address uh, Maya Drazar, the, the emperor. The, the emperor yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's his serenity and whatnot. But um, well, and I and I, but I think I, I'm not I'm not that much of a fantasy language reader, and so for me, like it was just hard to sink into it at first. Like like there isn't a lot of explanation, I, which I appreciate. I don't I don't want an essay on it to open the book, but but it was very very hard for me to sink into. And I I'm going to say I just never really sympathized with with Maya, who was thrust into no. the the situation. And so I, I I think if we hadn't been reading this for the podcast, I probably would not have finished it. Um, but, but I also think that it's unfair in a way for, for people to have told me, l- l- like when I come to a book with such high expectations and I don't really know what the shot of the book is, it's hard for, it's hard for me to adapt to something that's like this different from the books I would normally read. Like I read a, I read a book that I will say, it's not a version of this, but it's kind of the similar story where the empire the heir has to return to the empire to uh, to take take the reins of power because that's what's done and everybody is against them. Uh, it's by uh, KB Wagers and it's called Be- the first book in that series is Behind the Throne. And the person they got and find like the two bodyguards, the two people who become uh, this emperor's bodyguards, uh, they go out and find her, and she is currently working as a gun runner. She's basically fled her family for for a certain reason, uh, which is compelling, and she has become this like kind of scoundrel slash action anti-hero and is now being returned to become the emperor and it's 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 uh action-packed there isn't a lot of uh, vocabulary to learn although there is some because the civilization is based in india current day india um and it's just it just moves along and i have i have sympathy but it's like a survival story and this this doesn't even really rise to a survival story for me because maya doesn't seem to be doing a lot like, like other than not oppressing women, right? And, and kind of trying which, and kind of trying to make friends, which isn't nothing. But it just he doesn't do anything terribly progressive. I'll point out, like th- this. This is kind of a perfect neoliberal book where it's like they point out a lot of injustices towards people, towards towards women and gay people, and then do nothing about it. Like no pr- no progress is actually made except we built a bridge by the end of it. That's the most progress that happens. And literally, a bridge gets built. Well, no, no, he, he, uh, he does he does things against it, though, he, or, or about it. He, like, he doesn't force his, um, who is the person who has to get married? They're all telling him he has to, she has to get married, and he lets her go study whatever she wants. Uh, here, let me consult my list of uh, Kate Addison names. Her <laughs> name is probably, her name is probably Drebalar Kalafa Shavar. No, uh, no, no, that's no, 90% no. of the, that's all of the names in this book. They're all oh. just madness. When I, when I got to the end of the book, there was the list of names, and I, I and, and, like, places and people and things and i thought that would help me like make sense of this a little bit and i just even that bogged me down so much i couldn't uh i couldn't deal with it i i just i still don't know how anything's pronounced it doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh, yeah yeah I, I, no i know one it, of my so one of my biggest beefs with this book is that having read it and it's not a short book it's a very long book it's not obvious on any level why this is a fantasy book to begin with why is this about elves and goblins because well there is as far there, as i there, can tell no there is one piece of magic yeah and it makes no sense <laughs> it it's, does come out it's of not explained it's not explained it happens off screen 
Like it's pointless. It is pointless. It like they use they use one spell to like knock out a guard at one point. It, it's not. It's not. It's kind of steampunky, but not really. I mean, I appreciate. I appreciate the lack of of explainer. Like like I will say the thing I admire about this book is the is the is how much it sticks with Maya's view of things, right? But but it's very restricted, and it. I, I think it doesn't like like when they figure out that the airship was sabotaged. He basically hires a guy. Well, he finds an investigator to work for him, and then the investigator goes off. So there's a mystery element that doesn't. It, it's completely off screen. It has yeah. no, nothing to do with Maya at all. There's, so, no, there's no drama on screen. I mean, there, okay, there's two attempted coup attempts, and that's those are the only times in the book that like you can really say that something of any kind of moving plot forward happens. Although both of them are. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They're they're swiftly ended, and there's not a whole lot of ramifications of it. Like yeah. the com- consequences are not manifested. Well, I'm going to say this. this did, did you know there's a sequel to this book? I have seen that there is a sequel to the book. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the sequel is about is about that the guy who's a witness to the witness uh, witness for the dead. Sal- right. He's Sal- like Sal- the Sal- private eye. Yeah. He's the private eye. Yeah. And it's about him solving a mystery. Which I think that sounds great because this book, like on a sentence level, was well written enough that I want to see, I want to see more of the world in like that police procedural kind of sense. Like I, I probably will read that book sometime. I mean, I think there's, I don't know, I th- I think this book shows that they there isn't enough. Th- this world is poorly built for a lot of reasons. It's not a good universe at all. I don't think and so. Th- I don't think that's true. It's it's also well, it's dumb that our main character who is royalty by not only is he royalty he's double royalty like he is the child of two empires and he knows almost nothing about the world in which he actually lives in he apparently spent he had very little education this entire time Mm -hmm. like i understand that they didn't expect him to become emperor but you still educate these people because they'll become dukes and duchesses and they'll get married off to other people like being fourth in line for a throne doesn't mean you'll never become an emperor you might get married off to some other nation but this book doesn't explain what the world actually looks like in any way to know that are there literally only two nations is there only the elf nation and the goblin nation why aren't there at least why aren't there two or three elf nations like this is cockamamie and furthermore what what is an elf in this setting are elves three feet tall are they six feet tall as far as i know no, this is a this is a real question. We know almost nothing about elves no, or no, goblins. No, no. But, but I think I think it's brilliant in that because I mean the, the elves are clearly paler and they have like uh, different colored eyes and the goblins are darker with orange eyes, right? Like the elves have blue eyes, is it? And the goblins have orange eyes, so you can see kind of goblin blood in people. But but it's only what Maya worries about. But I think I think you're right in a sense in that his his perception of things, which we are in all the way through, which is very nice isn't it's it, it's so uninformed that yeah it, it's so uninformed and even when he starts to take part in what is basically the the ruling of the empire as much as he does he just seems like almost nothing but a figurehead right like there are some decisions he right. makes but everybody almost resents him making a decision um and they're very minor decisions for the most part but yeah i mean it's this weird thing where it, because i think we're meant to believe in this sort of weird kids cartoon disney sense that like well, his real strength as a leader is that he cares about all of the little people, and therefore he's he's the only compassionate leader this nation has had in a billion years. It's like, okay, that's great. But also, he doesn't know how to 
man, he doesn't know how to grow crops. He doesn't know how to wage wars. Like he doesn't know anything about actual statecraft, right? Well, well so, it, 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 it almost yeah, it almost felt like to me like 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 when like there is a movement to get him ousted from the throne. Like who cares that he's on the throne? He's not really doing much. Like like why would you right, why yeah. would you worry about it? Aren't, aren't the problems the administrators who are doing all the things for him? Like uh, apparently he's sitting in court though some of the time, but he's very bored and kind of removed. And there's a council and everybody kind of bullies him there although he can put his foot down and i guess they don't want him to put his foot down it, it, it's it's very weird it, it, it's very it felt very strange like as to why they want him removed like in favor of someone else ruling and like when the when the guy the other uh i can't remember what he, what his position is in the court when he actually offers to start teaching maya about the world a little bit more to have because he's he's obviously so uninformed it's like wow how has nobody made this offer beforehand it's so strange, but even that didn't give us a lot more like about the world. But I, but I do think I do think that the lack of explanation is kind of is kind of wonderful in the book. But it doesn't it doesn't serve. It, it's not it, it's not the lack of explanation that's the problem. It's that Maya doesn't know anything, and so he doesn't if, he doesn't act. It, it sounds like you're saying I like the lack of explanation because it left other things that. This couldn't be ruined. It couldn't be ruined further by explaining to me that actually this entire planet is made of worms because no, I can just no, assume no. that there's ground outside. No, I, I'm, 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 I'm saying the mistake too many fantasy novels make is there's the big explainer sections in the chapter, and this this just doesn't make those mistakes. But, well, I, I okay, I disagree in so much as this the how many pages is your book because i had an audiobook and it was like 18 hours long i don't know like 2500 pages because i i read ebooks that are so okay that are so, so gigantic in terms of font the the length of this book which is massive is all explanation it's just not explaining the right things the mm. the things that get explained are just how inept our main character is and how forced every interaction is but, but no, like nothing actually makes sense nothing is thought out like all of these interactions with our main character there's so many people who are just like, oh, it's the emperor. We have to worship him like a god, or he'll kill us all with a fiery hot poker. And then there's another. <laughs> I want you to. I want you to narrate my audiobook. <laughs> well, this is this is me doing a parody of the guy who did read the audiobook. You, this joke doesn't work for you, but he did kind of sound like that a lot of the time. Oh my god. He, it, this this audiobook was basically read by R two D two. But then there's a whole other cast of characters who are just like oh look it's maya the emperor i'll never acknowledge anything you say as being important and like in both scenarios the our main character maya is just like oh i did something wrong oh no i'm terrible at what i do and half of the characters like no please don't kill me i was like yes you are bad at what you do and it's like if he if he is the almighty emperor and he does have the authority to kill people on sight then like even if he's not a bad person he could at least pretend to be a bad person for the purposes of getting anything done or getting respect like that's not a, a terrible thing to do well i mean I, you I, don't I, actually have to murder people i think on the plus side he's very kind like he's a very kind character he's listening to people i mean he's clearly damaged by the years of abuse and clearly damaged by um like when his mother died nobody was ever kind to him again uh his father never he never even spoke to his father right no, yeah, he didn't. I mean, the, the, like, the beginning, like the turmoil, is that his what is his what is his cousin's name? Sethus? Is that is that sound right? Sevet, 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 Sethurus, 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 Yeah. So, so his his like Sethurus, even though he's abused his cousin who was in his charge for years at a, this far off 
castle mansion where they lived. Um, like, Sethris wants a position in court now, and it kind of has an expectation from Maya that now that he's emperor, Maya will grant him some amazing position. And and Maya has a hard time kind of refusing that because he seems so bound by custom. It's it's just weird. And yeah, I, but I think you're right. Like, if he had just put his foot down, I think it would have been a little bit unrealistic in terms of the character that uh, Addison had developed. So it's an interesting struggle, but it's not somehow it's not a struggle I was rooting for for him to win. Do, do you know what I mean? Like I I just wasn't that engaged by that struggle, and I wasn't engaged. right. The the actual structure of this book is there's about two hundred very small problems that keep popping up that none of which are actually engaging. Like the the issue of uh, Maya getting married is never an engaging problem. It could have been in theory. You know, there's a lot of great courtly romance stories out there, but we don't. We, I don't like Maya. It sounds like Jean doesn't like Maya, and I think there's a nice. Never... I think I think there's a nice moment in that in that kind of arrangement of the marriage. I, I think there's a nice moment because her family can't refuse, and and um, so she's going to marry the emperor, right? And 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 as they get, like, there's a moment when they get to know each other a little bit. That's kind of nice, but yeah, I mean, it's one yeah. of the few. It's one of the few truly engaging moments of the of the book for me it's i mean that would be engaging if this were 200 years ago and we had never heard of a story before in which uh a royalty decided that no actually you should get married to who you really like and not just get married to the royalty for the political benefits because yes in the universe everyone gasps at that notion because it's scandalous but you and i have and everyone reading this book has already seen disney's aladdin or any other well, story in which this is wrote like this is not a new idea this well, is redundant well it, well it, it's a little bit it's a little bit like um well, so on the one hand maya tells the the princess like who he has control over her marriage rights that like well you don't have to get married you can study that's fine who cares about custom but then he basically drafts in like uh someone to marry him gives her no choice at all right and then only after the fact is it kind of okay it's like it's a very mixed message, right? Even on that front, and so. Uh, well, and the other weird thing is this idea of like, oh no, none of these people want, and and the other noble characters point this out that like, you know, any noble girl would like to be the empress of the empire. Actually, that's pretty cool. Like, if Maya's such a good guy, then why doesn't he just find one of these people that he actually thinks is cool, get married for political benefit, and then like just not. Just then does not have sex with her like there's no obligation <laughs> this is the thing that drives me crazy is that like if you if anyone was given the absolute power that this character was given they would probably be less miserable than this character because they would find <laughs> some enjoyment of it like as you've pointed out he doesn't actually have political burden because all of these chancellors do all of the major decision making for him it's really easy for him to not pay attention in court he doesn't. He, no one's gonna make him have sex with a woman that he doesn't want to. That's right, not right, an right. actual problem that he has. So there's like he is given a free ride for the rest of his life to be the. And all he has to do is not get assassinated. And you know, technically he doesn't get assassinated, but he does a really bad job about like making sure that that doesn't happen <laughs> in the first place. But but it, it, it's it's kind of nice to see the the wispy, thin, unselfconfident emperor not abusing his power, isn't it? I mean, like, like, like it, it's a no, it's a, it's a different, no, it's, it's not actually. Take. I mean, I, I would think, I would think that if if you told me that, I would, I would be like, yeah, I'd be a little more on board with that. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I, there's a book that I'm sure you've never read by uh, Anne Leckie. Do you know Anne Leckie? Nope. 
famous for like uh, the ancillary series, um, but wrote a like kind of one-off book in that universe called Provenance, which I really like, which is about a young character who's, I think uh, she's competing to be heir for her house, basically, and she goes off and does something insane, and she seems really inept, and... Uh, has to try to get back home and it's this it's this very strange alien culture that's not explained a great deal but kind of comes into focus halfway through the book and that character i didn't care about about halfway through the book and then i just suddenly did i was just suddenly rooting for her in 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 the most mysterious way that makes me want to reread that book like three or four times until i figure out the magic lecky did because i was so i was so confused by it but I, I i had loved the ancillary series so much that in reading it i i trusted lecky to get me through it and i've said this before but i think you have stockholm syndrome with books <laughs> i think as long as you sit down with a book long enough you will you will make yourself like it like you are saying okay so the entire time because it took you a long time to read this book it would take anyone a long time to read this book because it's too long it took me it took but, me a long time yeah this is probably the longest book i will read this year I was I checked in with Gene multiple times over the course of like are you are we going to finish it is this going to happen and every time like you let me know how miserable you were reading this you were not having a good time with this book no and I, I, I would I, say I would say about halfway through I hit a point where I just start I, I it it fell into place for me at least in my head like that's um, the Stockholm syndrome though that's no, where it, that's no, where it happens no, no 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 I think it's I think it's I think it's more about finding it's about finding the pace and the language and kind of. Like like my brain figured out how to deal with all the names that I couldn't couldn't uh, quite translate, and I just kind of let things flow over me a little bit, which which is probably I mean I mean I mean I would accept an argument that letting all the names and the language parts of this flow over me was not did not make me the best reader or mark me as the best reader of this book, but I can see. I mean, do you think this do you think this book would have like actually been your new favorite book if all of the characters were just named Bob and Jerry and Jimmy? Like no, but I wonder I wonder what somebody could have said to me ahead of reading this book that would have made me more ready for it because because I just I just went into it like with people telling me how great it was which which didn't really prepare me for for what it is and I think if somebody had said something like oh remember provenance and how you felt about provenance like until about halfway through and how you suddenly turned on the character like and really started to care for the character maybe it would have like worked for me a little bit more at the beginning because I, I mean like again I mean I just I don't think I would have really given it much of a chance and I'm, I'm not sorry that i did but it's not my new favorite book either so i mean i mean i, I want to <laughs> is that stock homie for you <laughs> like, i don't know <laughs> i i think i think it is yeah oh. i think there's a sense to which like I, I think you don't trust these gut reactions of the things you don't like because i don't think anything that you didn't like at the beginning of the book got fixed later on no 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 i i do trust i do trust gut reactions but but i i want to i want to tell you that uh, like i liked it better at the end than i did at the beginning like i liked it i liked it i liked it more i just liked it as a as a book more at the end than at the beginning like i i i just i i, I found things i found things to to like about it going through it and 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 while it, i didn't really um I didn't really connect with it. Like, I'll keep it in the back of my brain for somebody who tells me they really love fantasy novels about language and, you know, about... about They're not looking for that fantasy novel about a character with a sword and a bunch of spells and whatnot who's a little bit into steampunk. You know, I mean, like, like, like there are things here. Like, there's kind of a mystery, but not a very active mystery. 
if somebody's really into court intrigue, hey, this is a book for them, obviously. I, I've never had I, it. I disagree. I disagree. But, okay. Well, I don't even I don't even agree that this book is about language. It has language in it. That's not the same thing as being about language. Well, it's not like, about it's not about language in the way like some of Legin's books are about language, but exactly. Yeah, Earthsea is actually about language. It's about the nature of names. What is a name? What does it mean to be named? Those are actual questions that drive the characters. This is a book that features five syllable names that are hard to pronounce and harder to remember. Well, I feel like that's I, not a. I feel like there's like the, like like the forms of address and things that I found confusing in this that like I didn't really find a, a way to deal with because I just can't keep it straight. Like I feel like that would be of interest to someone. I, I feel like it's really well done in this book. I, I see no evidence that it's not, except for that I can't process it, which isn't a good indication to me that it's not well done. Like, like I think this is not my thing. And so I do think this would appeal to, to somebody. Like, I, I know somebody I will recommend this book to probably right away. But Right. I mean, look, looking at the reviews online, clearly a lot of people like this book. I just think they all have bad taste. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think they should be allowed to drive or to vote. And I'm librarian uh, I'm librarian enough to go like, "Oh, that's interesting to me that so many people connected with this book and I didn't." Like, I have to pay attention to what they liked about it. And 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 that's that's all I'm trying to do. So, I want to circle back to the 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 climax of this book, the big ending note that it falls upon oh. is Maya, <laughs> the the emperor of the Elflands builds a bridge to span a river that no one has been able to build a bridge across before. It's just it's just too hard, and we're not really given good reason why it's too hard. We just know that it's very hard to cross this river. Well, it's all the poli- and, it's all the political interests against it. Well, they say that, but that also doesn't make sense because everyone points out that it would be really good for trade and how good trade is. Well, but that only like, be- that benefits people on one side and not the other, and so so it, it also it also takes away from people on, that are already on the prosperous side of the river. And okay, that doesn't that's not a good reason. That's not a for, <laughs> that's not how actual world economy works on any level. Like in no case is it ever. It, it would be one thing if one side wanted to war against the other, and they're like, we can't build a bridge. They're just gonna send. They're going to send cavalry over. Yeah, that would be bad. I agree. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Maya is special in this world because he's the one who's willing to listen to people that other people don't listen to. So earlier in the book, uh, one character is like, hey, this person in the clocksmith guild, which of course there's a clocksmith guild in this whimsical fantasy world, uh, has this great idea for the bridge. I want you to meet them. And even though Maya's not supposed to meet this person because that's uncouth by some standard <laughs> that only makes sense in fantasy world, uh, Maya does it anyway because he's just that great a person. So he meets with this guy off screen, and then the finale of this book is we have this big meeting where all of the big wigs, who I don't know if we've even met up to this point, who cares? They all meet in a room together. Here's Maya at the head of the table, and here is old whiz-bang thistlecrook from the clocksmith guild and he's got a model of his new bridge that he's going to use to to span this mighty river that'll bring these two continents together and what is the bridge well let me tell you it's a bridge based off of the technology behind airships and so the idea is that the bridge kind of levitates and then locks into place it's basically a zeppelin that is used as a bridge no it's not now it's 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 a steam engine isn't it it's not well. That's the thing. It's very poorly described. I couldn't tell you exactly what it is, no, but they I do think... describe it as going up and down and stuff. But now, Gene, I want you to tell me: Do you see any problem 
with this this world that Kate Addison has constructed? Do you see any problem with a scenario in which, oh, we found a way to spam the bridge? Yes, it's thanks. They, they do specifically say it's thanks to it's based on the same technology that it makes airships possible. Do you do you see a problem with that logic? I did not at the time I re- was reading this book. No, I just I thought that was a very cool uh, presentation about the bridge. Well, well, I have said this to other friends of mine because I, I I basically do little dry runs of this podcast with my friends sometimes <laughs> where I complain about these books. Wait, you're practicing your so, rants ahead of time? Well, it's because I get so mad reading these books. I have to tell someone because you never want to because it it takes you longer to read them, and you you are always like, no, no, save it for the podcast. So the problem with this is that that's just not how technology works that you don't invent the airship you don't invent the zeppelin before you invent a good bridge that's not (laughs) they would have made the bridge long before they would have made flying machines that actually are in mass use like that's the thing these zeppelins are used all over the world that we're told from the beginning they're commonplace by comparison you know there's an airship that's brought to the emperor just that day to bring him to like in the first chapter this is this is a thing that is well known and this is the first time someone has said now wait a minute what if we used our flight to what if we what if we made our flight worse to make a bridge like that's just that's not how anything works no but i think and I, further, I, I, I think in our world you had you had the balloons before you had like a really high powered steam engine though right like before locomotives like like the balloons were like what 1600s late 1600s in france are you talking about a hot air balloon was it hot air or was it was it hydrogen? I think it must have been hot air, right? You did. We didn't have zeppelins and dirigibles no, prior to the steam engine. No, no, but did, didn't we have we had hot air balloons, right? I well, I don't know for certain, but even if we did, that wouldn't. <laughs> that's not the same thing. I, I I don't know when the invention of the hot air balloon is, but that's beside the point because hot air balloon technology isn't actually that good. But. No, so, okay, but here's the other thing. Let's say this river is just really big. It's just a, such a big river that it'd be impossible to span with a normal bridge. Mm-hmm. Then it, we have this river in the real world. It's called the Mississippi. We use boats to get across, and, and we still are able to trade, despite the Mississippi River being a big thing. And in a world that already has airships, that problem is double solved. Not only do they not need a bridge to trade, they haven't needed one for a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, though. Like, this is indicative of all of the problems with the book. It is not a well-thought-out world. I'm not saying that... I don't want it to be Tolkien. I don't want every blade of grass to be named, and I don't want uh, a 600-page history of the, the gnomes. But I would like some just thought put into these... Thi- like, if the bridge is going to be important to the story then you have to think about how bridges actually work. And, like, historically, what what technology level of bridges... Because other than that, like... Also, this is a world where, as you pointed out, magic does exist, and no one has applied magic to these problems before. This is unreasonable. Like, that's a thing that Ursula Le Guin thought of, is, like, if magic exists, they would probably have a wizard on every ship to help protect against weather or to ensure good winds. That makes sense. That's just... That just makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, well, no... well I, I, and I, and I think I think maybe uh, shipping is like is more the solution to a small uh, like like a ferry going across something that can be bridged, right? Or a series of ferries. I don't know. Yeah, but but I will I will say it, it, it in place it didn't bother me. Like it, like well, it bothered me because it it seemed like a very it seemed like a very complicated bridge. 
Well, for every problem that Maya has in this book, it feels like there's already an existing solution to it that he, not only does it not occur to him, but it doesn't occur to anyone near him. Mm -hmm. And that's unreasonable, especially because there are so many characters who exist just to point things out to our dumb protagonist. (laughs) He's got a little, he's got a little right-hand man this entire book who's trying to help him so hard. And and he's supposed to be some kind of genius. He's supposed to be one of these uh, West Wing characters, basically, right? Who can just do everything. I like the idea. There's like a there's like a sequel, like uh, five books down the road, where somebody is looking back at like every like Maya the bridge builder has built bridges across every body of water, <laughs> like no matter what they were, right? Like why is there a bridge here? I don't understand. He was the bridge builder. That's that's just what he did. He just built bridges. Okay. All right. It wouldn't surprise me at this point. <laughs> um, did you read anything else during this? We were talking, kind of talking about that. I think we should. I think we should end there. I don't think we have anything else to say about this book. Right. The last time we recorded, I uh, was like halfway through the first uh, magician's book by Lev Grossman. I have now finished all three of them. I highly recommend them. Wow. It was, okay. It was a great read. Um, so that is that is what I have been reading. I started a bunch of books that I didn't wasn't just wasn't interested in at this time some of them were rereads but i nothing to talk about there i um i needed something else to kind of be reading a little bit while i was reading this book and i've been reading uh the it's gary shandling's book uh which was put together by judd apatow from uh kind of interviews about gary shandling and bits and pieces of of like shandling left behind a lot of papers and and apatow went through them and kind of found relevant bits and it's kind of it's kind of an exploration of who shandling was throughout his career it's really interesting like i'm, I'm really into this book I'm, in, I'm, into, I'm into shandling's struggle to um to kind of try to be himself while trying to work in hollywood and work like on stage as a as a stand-up are you a fan of shandling at all i i know the name gary shandling but i can't picture him in my mind i'm sure okay. i would recognize him if i saw him that's just not a name that i know no, uh, I, I think that's just our slight, like our difference in ages is just like uh, he's a little more prominent for me for when his shows. Well, were well, well, was he must have been in a movie, right? Like, what's what's something he was in? He was in a couple of movies, but he had he had a show like he had Gary Shandling's show, and then he did like um, another. He right, did, I'm, he, as, I'm asking, would you? Is there a famous movie I would recognize him from? I don't. He did a few movies after his shows, but I don't. I don't remember him from movies at all. Okay, fair enough. So he he was more about being himself. He was kind of like. He kind of played himself uh, like he did two uh, different TV shows where he was a, a talk show host, kind of like Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show, and they were kind of looks behind the scenes of those of those talk shows, but they're different. It's it's very strange. He was like a real life Muppet. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. Anyway, interesting books, and then I like that led me to I've been reading Steve Martin's biography now, which is called Born Born Standing Up, which is just a great read. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. And somehow in there I read, um, are you a fan of Guy Delisle, the cartoonist? I don't recognize that name. He did, um, he did like a series of four graphic novels about living in different places around the world. He did, the first one was about uh, Pyongyang. He lived in North Korea for a brief period of time when he was working for a French animation company. And then he did a graphic novel about living in North Korea. Then he lived in Shenzhen, China. He lived in uh, Burma and he lived in Jerusalem. And he did graphic novels about each of those. He's also done other things, but he's mostly published in English by Drawn Quarterly. He's done a bunch of more books in French that haven't been translated, and um, he's uh, he's French Canadian. And his new book is autobiographical, uh, and it's about when he was a young man um, 
like at the end of high school, kind of when he was in university, kind of around that area era when he was figuring out who he was as a cartoonist and an animator. And he's working in a paper factory that made uh, paper for newspapers, and it's called Factory Summer, Factory Summers. Um, it's it's such a good book. It's it's so fun, and that comes out in a couple months. So I just read an early copy of that uh, that I really really enjoyed. I don't know, L- like somehow those things gave me enough balance in reading uh, the Goblet Emperor that I think I was able to, you, you know what I mean, like kind of stay with it and keep reading that. Right, you were able to stave off insanity. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all, no. So, so what is our what is our, what, what is our next book going to be? Uh, you sent me a book in a big crate of books, which I appreciated. Uh, it is called, I have to look behind me to see it. Uh, it's called All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Yeah, yeah, I love that book. And I found a uh, used copy in a bookstore I was in the other day. And I thought, I bet this is this is just going to be Willow's thing. I, part of me wants to play you first. Like, don't don't talk about it. Don't be. Don't tell me anything. Yeah, don't don't say anything about it. Don't say anything about it. So we'll we'll see we'll see how correct I am uh, on the next. I'm podcast. like three chapters in. I'm I'm into it so far. I'm so excited to reread it. I really really enjoyed that book the first time I read it. It was just it was just so good. So all right, well, uh, signing off. I guess uh, if uh, if you haven't checked out Library Comic, please please do if you uh, enjoyed this episode please leave us a review wherever you heard it i guess and uh tune in in about three weeks for the next book stabber when we'll talk about charlie jane anders uh all the birds in the sky if you have any book recommendations for gene or myself write into bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com perfect all right later willow all right everyone keep stabbing